What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode three of the Wavelengths podcast. I'm Stephen Heimers. We got Julian Alcaraz and co-host of Nothing But Hoops, Deontay. A lot going on in the NBA. March Madness is over. Baseball just started up. Right now, the focus is on the National Basketball Association. A lot of topics to get into. Julian, I want to start with you. What uh, What's been on your mind lately in the NBA how you feel it's been going um you know I think NBA no matter what year is always going to be exciting you know whether your team is doing good or not uh the play is always spectacular it's always a step above last year's um right now you know as a Lakers fan I'm suffering because my team can't seem to be healthy um you know we're sitting in fifth place in the west and that's just I don't really like that we have teams like the Nets who are you know, seemingly getting better and better um, each game, even when they have their players missing out. I know James Harden is out for a good 10 days with a right hamstring injury. Uh, KD's supposed to come back next game. It's it's just like it seems like they're getting healthier, and the Lakers just – they can't seem to get healthier or win games without LeBron and AD. Um, but other than that, I think there's a lot of surprising teams. You know, the Heat got hot for a little bit, then they kind of cooled off. The Mavs right now have been eight and two in their last ten games, so they're really starting to, you know, come together and play good basketball. Although I feel like they're missing a piece or two to really compete deep into the playoffs. The Suns have been like hot. I don't. I have no idea what what's been going on in Phoenix and Utah. Just seems to be on a roll continuously. Uh, you know, both those teams have been nine and one in the past ten games. So uh, right now, I think it's it's looking kind of scary if you're a Lakers fan or if you're, you know a Western conference team fan and your team is in like top three because it's getting a lot stiffer in competition and you either make up ground by winning games or you just fall and hope to get into a playing spot. Yeah. Deontay, you are a resident Washington sports fan. I want to talk about Russ and Bradley Beal a little later, but going on in the Eastern conference, it seems wide open besides Brooklyn and the all-stars that they just keep acquiring out of nowhere in the East. How you think that it's been going on past couple weeks since the all-star break? So in the last couple of weeks, you know, we've seen, like you said, Brooklyn, they made moves that in guys like Aldridge and Blake Griffin, you know, that just kind of, it, I feel like me personally, they're already the best team in basketball. Them adding two guys like that, even though they might not be the same players they were when they were at the all-star level, those are still two great players to have as when you're fourth, fifth, maybe even sixth option, depending how you look, you know, how you feel about the roster and the way it's built. Um, and as far as, you know, the rest of the teams, teams that are surprising, like Atlanta, you know, since they fired Lloyd Pierce, they've just shot up at, you know, in the standings. I know the wet, I mean, each is kind of, jumbled up in that middle, so it's like they weren't too far out, but they've definitely been, been playing better. Uh, just like Julian said, Miami, they've stepped up after a, a very cold start. And, you know, it's just – it's definitely not wide open, but I could definitely see a couple teams giving Brooklyn bump and, you know, giving them stiff competition, you know, towards the end of the season when we start to get into the playoffs. I agree with what you said entirely. Now, while I don't think – Wayne Diesel's very, very bold prediction of the Bulls upsetting the Nets will happen or anything like that. The East, I like the transparency because it's it's Brooklyn 
and then you know that the teams are going to file themselves out. Like you said, Atlanta, they may not be able to sustain it. But there's a lot of talent in spots you wouldn't expect. New York, Atlanta, Pacers are playing well recently. So the East is going to have a lot of solid teams. And that playoff push and eventual series after the playing tournament, I think is going to be maybe the better of the two conferences, even though the East has a little bit less talent. Yeah, I would, I would definitely, uh, you know, agree with that because like you said, you know, you have teams like, you know, Atlanta, you know, they, they have, they have talent, but they really have over the last couple of months uh, until recently haven't been able to put it together to really, you know, take, take them forward and actually, you know, propel them to the team. But I personally thought that they would be probably like two, three years ago. And then um, Miami, like I said, they're the, the defending Eastern Conference champions, depending on how you want to take the bubble seriously. You know, they could definitely make make a push. But like you, like you said, it's just Brooklyn and then everybody just files down and just like, you know, like, okay, who's going to come in second type of thing. And especially with this whole playing situation that they put in for this this season, I can definitely see, you know, some things really being interesting in the Eastern Conference. I do want to get to our first topic now. Julian, I know how you would feel about it, but I want you to go against your favorite team. Why are the Nets mm-hmm. – better than the Lakers uh, I mean offensive star power I'm you have Kyrie Irving uh, he just dropped like a 40 bomb last game um, he's kind of just shutting up everybody who's hated on him I mean I don't you know people hate on him for being a diva and going to the Celtics and you know ruining the Celtics every Boston fan says that uh, but I mean you just oh my gosh it seems every time someone tries to bring him down he just comes back harder and you know, he lost James Harden early in yesterday's game, and he still dropped a 40 bomb, still got a W. Uh, Julius Randle's son was crying, saying he hates him. Uh, I think the team overall is um, particularly uh... – That's what Kyrie Irving does to a lot of defenders. Just freezes yes. them straight up. So while we're waiting for him, Deontay, I want to ask you a similar question, but reverse it a little bit. When the Lakers are healthy, hopefully that they will be healthy towards the playoffs, are they going to be a better team and able to potentially beat the Brooklyn Nets in a seven-game series? In my personal opinion, no, because it just, just like Julie said before, he was cut up, you know, cut off. It's the offensive firepower that they have. I mean, you just, you know, I like to do just rank them, you know, one through one through 13 or one through 15, depending on how, how you look at it. For example, you have Kevin Durant. Even though LeBron James is definitely a better player, I still, in my personal opinion, Kevin Durant is the, the most skilled scorer in league history. Even coming off the Achilles, he's one of the best scorers, if not the best scorer of all time. Then you look at a guy like James, James Harden. He's a guard. A guard would dictate the offense way more than a big and Anthony Davis. So he's better there. And then after that, it's just like it's not it's not even close. I mean, who who's the Lakers' third best player? Dennis Schroeder. I mean, do you want to go Kuzma? He's probably their best, their third best offensive player. You're putting him against Kyrie Irving. Come on now. So and like, like I said, Adam guy like Lamarcus Aldridge. He might, might not be the you know twenty point a game score he was back in his Portland and his early San Antonio days, but he could definitely give you a cool 
12 to 15 points off, off the bench, depending on where they, they want to put him. And then Blake Griffin, Joe Harris, one of the best shooters in basketball. I mean, it's, it's not even close. I mean, I know we said the same thing, you know, when it was Toronto versus Golden State a couple years ago. But, you know, you just got to play it out and just see what happens. But in my personal opinion, Brooklyn is the better offensive team. And it's not, it's not, it's not even close, honestly. When you said Kyle Kuzma was the third best scorer on Brooklyn, was it hard to say it with a straight face? I mean, <laughs> yes. I mean. Because it's, I it's thought just... the same thing. And then hearing you say it, saying what I thought, it was just hard to, like, you know, hear it and see it. It's just yeah, crazy, it's just... the talent drop-off from LeBron to AD, and then it's it's Kuzma. Or is it true? Like, you don't know. That's one of the interesting complexities of the Lakers and how reliant they are on their superstars, probably more so than any other team, maybe, maybe Brooklyn, because they have their three headed monster, but it's, it's crazy how these two teams are so reliant on the top guys, but Brooklyn, I'd give them the advantage because their bench, just because they have three of the best players in the league. So their bench has to be starter caliber guys. Exactly. I mean, I mean, like I said, you just, you just go down the line. I mean, you have guys like Blake Griffin, Aldridge, Joe Harris. You have Claxton, who's pretty good. You have a guy like Jeff Green, who he may, may not be consistent, but he's definitely – he definitely has the, the skill. I mean, you know, he can shoot a little bit. He can drive. You've seen him finish on some of the – you know, some players in basketball. You know, he's they, – then the, just their overall depth is just not it's not even close. I mean, it's just just I mean, they have the better, you know, three headed. I mean, they have the, the better, you know, star players and, and they also have the better bench. So, I mean, at this point, just like, you know, this is one of the problems that I, I had with the Lakers this offseason. Like last year, they might not have had the best overall team, but they had a lot of depth. I mean, I mean just look at it. You guys, guys like JaVale. You know, he's gone now. You have guys like Dwight Howard, he's gone. Danny Green, he's gone. Rondo, he's, he's you know, on the other side of the arena with the Clippers. So, like, they they just have no type of depth. And, you know, I said this when the season started, and I'm, I'm saying it now. You need to have depth in order to be a real championship contending team, unless you have some of the best top, top-tier top group superstars, which they don't have, with Anthony Davis being out and LeBron Davis being out, too. So, it's just like, you know. You're just going to see them falling and falling, you know, in the standings, in my opinion. Yeah, I do think that the Lakers will obviously make it. I don't think that they'll fall out. But then if you're the Utah Jazz and you have to play the Los Angeles Lakers, potentially the first round, that's I'm big on Utah taking them for real. But that's a daunting, daunting task for Quinn Snyder, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert to potentially face the defending champions in the first round. And that could be it realistically. There is so that's a potential Western Conference Finals matchup that we'd get in the first round. And for Utah, you would, if they were to lose that, you would think what a wasted opportunity the season was. You played the best you have in recent memory, but the Lakers got bit by the injury bug but they still benefit. So I, that's a real dilemma that could potentially be on Utah's plate. So that, that could be something that happens, but if you ask me right now, who would win? I would, 
I usually ah, uh, and again, I never count against LeBron James. So are we going both both teams healthy? Or are we going when when LeBron James comes back? Because and because because I've said before, I really think that this Anthony Davis situation is kind of like like a Kevin Durant situation back when he was on Golden State, where he says calf, but it's really an Achilles that's just waiting to to tear. So. Are we going fully healthy Lakers, or are we just going just with the LeBron James Lakers? That's that's what we won't know. That's what the Lakers are hiding from us. If it's just LeBron, like you just said, you can never count him out. But I I don't know. The Jazz are so deep and do everything so well that I I don't know if he could. Especially like you just said, this bench isn't what it was even last year. So I don't know if he by himself. Also, coming off of an injury, would be able to to pull it out against them. Exactly. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, Utah, outside of maybe maybe the the Knicks, they they're the best best defensive team in basketball. I mean, that that's just what they've hung their hat on over the last five years. You know, since, since I can remember. So, especially when you have zero depth and, you know, just their overall team for Lakers just isn't good outside of LeBron James and Anthony Davis and maybe Schroeder. I mean, they can't really protect at the rim because they don't really have any bigs outside of Drummond. I mean, Drummond's good. You know, I totally forgot if they added him, but, you know, even he's not a really good offensive player. I mean, he can only get baskets at the rim. So, I mean, he'll get you a couple of boards, but, you know, he's, you know, we go up against a guy like, a guy like Rudy Gobert, I mean, that's not really going to do anything for you when you have, you know, when you have him going against Drummond. At, the, at, at, at best, they beat each other out, but I'm still taking Gobert in that matchup. So it's just like, what do the Lakers really have, have an advantage of outside of, you know, LeBron James? Yeah, and that's the tough part. Like you said, with the Drummond-Gobert matchup, Dennis Schroeder and LeBron can only do so much. They can only cover two of the five guys out there I would assume – do you think that the Lakers would put LeBron on Mitchell? Even, um, though, even though stylistically they don't match up the same, but they know that he's their biggest threat? Um, pro- Probably not. I, I would, If I had to guess, I would guess they would probably put a guy like uh, KCP on him. You know, even though KCP is not really the best defender, he's probably the most able defender on the Lakers at the moment. They probably put him. You know, I wish we had Julian here so you know he can really talk about this more in depth. But I would, if they had to put somebody on, I guess they have to put like a KCP on them because who else are they really going to put, put on? Because like none of the guards are really good at you know defense. They're not you know top flight defenders, but they're maybe capable of doing it spurts. But against a guy like Donovan Mitchell, it's only going to get you so far. Yeah, and not to just regurgitate takes from me, but Utah is so deep. Even if they stop Mitchell, they still got Conley. They still got Jordan Clarkson off the bench. Gobert, Joe Ingles, he's going to give you buckets. It's just such an up-and-down solid team. And if the Lakers' lack of depth injuries, obviously, I it would be a really, really good first-round matchup, though. We'd obviously like it a little later, but round one, that would start the playoffs with a bang. And would legitimize Utah, I think, even if L.A. was down a couple guys. I think it would really legitimize them even then if they're in the playoffs as the one seed. Exactly. Because, I mean, you look at – so Utah, one day off, they have the best record in the league 
23 and 9, Phoenix 20 and 8, Brooklyn 22 and 9, Denver 24 and 10. And then no rest for Utah playing on a back-to-back. They're 8 and 1. It I really think that they're for real. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've usually seen Utah, they're usually that middle of the Pac Western Conference team. Maybe they might be with the four, maybe the five seed, but I truly feel like this team is different. Once 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 you get them to where they especially after seeing their, their season end last year, the way it ended, where they, they missed a, a buzzer beater to potentially move on to the next round. I feel like they're they're truly coming back hungry and like, no, we're not gonna let this this chance slide. We're gonna give it give it our all. And I and like you said, they're probably the best team at the moment. Out, you know, in the Western Conference. I mean, do I do I think that they're going to win the West? No, I'd probably still pick Phoenix or the Clippers over them. Maybe even Denver. But I feel like they're they're definitely playing the best, and it's not even close. And the record definitely shows it. Utah was very much, especially after the Rudy Gobert touching the microphones COVID incident in the bubble. Like you said, the early exit. They wanted to prove everybody wrong, and they they are have been the best team in the West all season and still get no respect. So this is their best chance, and I think that they're going to make the most of it for sure. I liked about the West if it's if everybody stays the way that they are and the Lakers don't get back healthy. I think that they could do it. I would take them over the Clippers. Phoenix, I think, is too young. Chris Paul can only give so much wisdom, and Monty Williams hasn't been there. So I would take them out of the West right now. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't necessarily completely disagree, but that is, I just think that people, like you got a leader like Chris Paul is probably a, you know he's a really good defender. You know he's one of the best you know guys to sit a ball of all time. He's one of the best playmakers of all time. He's probably the the best leader in basketball. And you give a, give him a guy like you know Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. You know just the overall depth that that they have. And, you know, the way he's been able to just push them from being a fringe playoff team to push them all the way up to the two seed, that definitely helps out. Um, with the Clippers, I just, you know, I think them adding, you know, adding, you know, you got a guy like Kawhi and, and Paul George, I would definitely still take that duo over a guy, you know, like a Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. And you still got guys like Patrick Beverly. And they added a, a true point guard in Rondo to where, you know, even though Kawhi and Paul George, they're, they're good scorers. They're not really good playmakers. And they really haven't had that past first leader point guard. So them adding a guy like him, you know, something a guy like Lou Will, who hasn't been the same player that he had, that we used to him being, you add a guy like Rondo and then, you know, got like Serge Ibaka and, you know, guys like that. I definitely think they're my favorite to come out of the West. I know I was saying this last year and they disappointed me, but I feel like with new coaching under a guy like Tyron Lue, who's shown, you know, he's not doing any goofy things like like Doc Rivers and just a, a new overall voice within that organization, I would still pick them to come out of, of the West over Utah. I do now want to switch topics to some guys that do not get enough recognition, but obviously help their team in a season where you don't know night to night who's going to be able to play. The benches on all 30 teams this year have been remarkable. It's some of the better bench scoring and players being more willing to accept roles. Just an example, two seasons ago, or however, three, whatever, when Carmelo got traded to the Thunder and they asked him, would you accept the bench role? And he laughed on media day. 
now Carmelo Anthony is an invaluable asset to the Portland bench. So I think just guys realizing that the bench isn't a bad thing. Bench doesn't mean you're bad. Bench just means that this is the role that you're best suited for and gives the team the best chance to win. And the scoring and production from a lot of bench guys this year has been incredible. So I was wondering a couple guys that caught your attention. So obviously if you want to go, go best guys, the number one guy you've got to go is Jordan Clarkson. He's probably the favorite to win, you know, six man of the year. Um, and then you got somebody out, out East, like, like Dwight Howard. I mean, obviously Dwight Howard isn't the same player he was in, in Orlando, you know, Maybe not even a player he was in Houston, but he's still definitely a good piece to, you know, have off the bench. You know, he can get you boards. He can still block you a couple shots. You know, that's probably someone who's one of the best best players at this point in his career. And like you said, Carmelo Anthony, he's definitely that, you know, he's, he's kind of playing that, that sort of Lou Will, James Harden when he was in OKC role. You know, he, you know, just come in, get your buckets, sit down when it's time to go, you know, into the um, clutch, then that's in that that's when we need you. So, and then you got a guy like Tyler Hero, even though he's not always starting with Miami, he's somebody good to come off off of the bench. Even though I kind of killed the Lakers, you know, for the lack lack of depth, when you got a guy like Kuzma and Montez Hero, who's the running six man of the year, you know, those guys definitely help from your team just completely bottoming out and just being terrible. You know, you know, two, you know three through 15. So I definitely feel like those are guys that are not getting enough love outside of, outside of, you know, Jordan Clarkson. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you said Montrez Harrell. Cause I got him down here on my notes in 50 games. He's played. He's made one start. Andre Drummond comes over after the buyout immediately starts. So I think that says a lot about Montrez Harrell knowing and accepting his role that he's going to come off the bench. He was brought in. They gave him the money to take him away from the Clippers. And the numbers he's putting up, 15 points, six rebounds. Six, he's averaging a lot of offensive rebounds. He's shooting at an almost 63% clip. He's doing everything that he can to keep the Lakers in contention. And he has been easily their third best player this whole season, even without the starts. Then you look at guys like Alec Burks on the Knicks missed some time early in the season. He's only made five starts, but he's still averaging 26 minutes. He's putting up 12.7 points, almost four rebounds, about 41% from three. It's just incredible how the bench now has become almost like the cool kids club. And like I said before, it's, it's not a demotion. It's nothing bad. It's just now people that would start on other teams but now they're being used to the best of their talents because Alec Burks wouldn't be a star on another team, but for the Knicks on their second rotation, he's going to be one of the focal points and really excel at that. So I remember, you know, back, back a couple years ago, one thing that like guys like Shaq and, you know, Kenny Smith, I believe even Charles Barkley was on this boat too, but I definitely remember Shaq and Kenny Smith saying it. What having a championship caliber team, it's not always, uh, you know, about your star players. Because if you have star players, your star players are going to do what they what they normally do. It's about your, you know, the, the other guys. That's why, for example, you see the team like Golden State. You know, when they went on a run, you know, you got guys like you know Andre Iguodala coming off coming off of the bench. You had you know Sean Livingston. You had guys like you know freaking um 
course of them. Like they, they've had a lot of guys coming off of the bench. And even if you look, you know, in Toronto, you know, a couple of years ago, they've had guys like Lou Will when he was there. And then, you know, Fred, you know, they had uh, Fred Van, Van Bleet when he was, you know, coming off the bench for, you know, that little bit of time. Because those guys are definitely important. So just when, when you're building a championship team, don't always like, okay, star, 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 star. And that's why you end up with, you know, this is one knock I've always had on LeBron James. They'll always get a bunch, a bunch of these names, but they don't produce. Don't look at names. Look at what they do. Look at what they, you know, what they're doing when they're given time, time to play. So that's 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 why I, like I said, the championship team isn't just about your stars. It's about the whole team and the, you know, the guys, you know, from the sixth, seventh, eighth man on the bench. Those guys are just as important as the stars. I do want to ask you a question now. There was a list today made by a un I won't na- say the name of the sports network, but they said their top 25 NBA players under the age of 25. This list came out today. Were you familiar with it at all? Yes, I, I remember seeing it. It was like, you know, top the top 10 players under the age of 25. It was just it was just bad. Overall, it, it was just bad. So you know, let's let's see what you know how how you feel about it, and then you know I'll give my opinion about it first. So there is one person who helped contribute to this list, and I went back. I, I looked through a few of his older takes. His name, I think it's Kevin Pelton. I know his last name's Pelton. I forget his first name. I apologize. He had a mock draft and. He ranked the best few players the year that Ben Simmons went number one. He had a player, Joe Chi, in his top five draft prospects for this year. What did Joe Chi do in the NBA? He played two total seasons for the Houston Rockets and averaged a whopping 1.3 points. This was the guy who didn't have R.J. Barrett on his list. Now, I agree, R.J. Barrett hasn't been, you know, the best he could have been. But no one in the NBA thinks that Keldon Johnson is better than than R.J. Barrett. But he put Emmanuel quickly on this list, which I thought was really interesting because I appreciate him having a Nick on there. But I think he put the wrong one. And the disrespect for R.J., I think, was pretty evident there. But that was my biggest takeaway from said list, and I'm curious to see how you felt. So, you know, for, for the people who haven't seen, uh, seen the list, let me just break it down to you. So you had Luka Doncic at number one. Can't dispute that. He's MVP, kind of a player, one of the best players in basketball. He's obviously number one. Zion Williamson at two. I mean, okay, well, this, this, this says ranking on future potential. So, I mean, take that however you want to take it. That doesn't really change anything for me, but that's just how it is. Then they have LaMelo Ball at, at number three. So you have LaMelo Ball over guys like Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Ben, ben Simmons. Even though I'm not a ben, ben Simmons fan, to say LaMelo Ball is already better. Is I mean, he's has, he does have potential to be better, but to put like guys like Ben Simmons all the way at seven, Devin Booker at eight, and Shea Gilgis Alexander at 10. I mean, Shout, shout out to X because you know he definitely has me on the SGA train. If you haven't seen what SGA's been been doing this season, then you know I don't need I don't know what to tell you. I mean, 
I understand this whole love with LaMelo Ball. I mean, he's, you know, one of the most, he's a, one of the faces of the um, NBA. But to say he's has better future potential than a guy like Jason Tatum, who's already an all-star, one of the best scorers in basketball. And then Ben Simmons, sort of the best defender in basketball. You know, then Devin Booker, who's what, a top three, top four shooting guard in basketball. That's, that's just that's just dumb. LaMelo Ball, who didn't start until a month and a half before his injury, was above the top two players on the top two teams in the Western Conference. I mean, I mean, like, like I said, I'm not even the biggest Ben Simmons fan, but to say that LaMelo Ball has better potential than he does is just, that's just blasphemy. I, mean, I, I honestly, this list, this list left, left me dumbfounded, honestly. I, it, Darren Fox, we have at number six. Bam out of bio nine. And then Brandon Ingram at 11, which I thought was interesting because we finally turned the page after Ingram left LA and went to New Orleans and did what we thought he could do with the KD-esque play style. And then having him at 11 on this list, I thought was interesting because being an all-star now and signing his max deal, but then still putting him below Bam out of bio. If this is all potential, I Ingram's ceiling is much higher than Autobio's, I think. So I just got the full list of the 25 players. They have the let's just just let me just make sure I'm I'm getting this correct. Mm-hmm. So they have DeMontis Sabonis at 18 and Anthony Edwards at 19. And they, I mean, Michael Porter Jr., he, he was this big, great player coming out coming out of high school, but, you know, injuries have definitely derailed him. So, I mean, I won't discredit them for that. I personally would rather have Sabonis or Edwards, even DeAndre Ayton over him. To have John Morant under him is just this just nonsense. Jalen, I believe that's Jalen Brown they have, they have all, all the way down there. And Jamal Murray. I mean, did you not see what Jamal Murray did in the bubble this this past you know last season? He's probably one of the most underrated clutch players in basketball. Because like every time I watch him, he's hitting a clutch shot. You know, he just does that over and over again. That's just who he is. I mean, I don't. And would you would you say the guy's name was the the Pelton? Yeah, he's just saying like he's and and I mean to have I don't know man. This list is just. It's just wrong, man. It's just all wrong. I mean, to have Trey, Trey Young, even though he's probably the worst defender in basketball, he's still one of the best shooters. I mean, you can't put him as low as he is. It's funny you mentioned Michael Porter Jr. Bobby Marks on his had him at three, Simmons four, Booker five. Even Devin Booker five. I do not get it. Devin Booker has been the most consistent and one of the most – fascinating young scores since he came into the league out of Kentucky and the constant disrespect. And now he's on the number two team and people still treat him like he's on a lottery team. And I really don't get it. And it just stinks for him because the best years of his career are now not being wasted, but we're not appreciating it. And that is even worse than his time in town being wasted in Phoenix. So it's, 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 it's even more Larry, because for the longest time, we said, oh, Devin Booker's one of the most underrated teams in, the, I mean, one of the players in basketball. Even even a guy like, you know, Jeremiah Green said, oh, you know, you need to get get him out of Phoenix, and he got fined for it. 
But to see Phoenix actually doing good, you're not really getting him credit. I know we all, you know, even myself, we look at CB3, he's definitely the main engine to turn his team around. But let's still not act like act like Devin Booker is not, you know, one of the best players in, in basketball. He's one of the best scorers and, and he's one of the best shooters. So I mean, let's let's just not be, you know, too disrespectful here. I mean, you can put Michael Porter over him if you have an opinion, but I don't agree with it. But yeah, this Devin Booker slander on his list. It's just too much for me. I'm really curious why Joe Chi did not make Pelton's list. Is it because he's just, playing in his native country again? Or he didn't pay? Okay, I'll admit it. Everybody has bad takes now and, now and again. But, I mean, if you miss that widely on a prospect and have him, I think he had him one under Brandon Ingram, who after his freshman season at Duke was obviously the number two pick and you have Joe Chi one below him at five and Ingram at, at four. I, it just loses a little validity to me. So that was an interesting list and a fun time in the NBA. So I think that the playoffs, even with the play in, which I think will be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that a lot. We're coming down to the last 20 games or so for each team. So I think it's going to be a fun April, fun early May, and then a lot of enjoyable times in the playoffs. Yes, sir. Yes, it definitely will be. So unfortunately, we did lose Julian a while ago. A big shout out to Deontay. It was just him and I in a virtual world now. There will be technical issues. There will be the unforeseen. But I hope you guys enjoyed this again. Thank you, Deontay and Julian, for joining me today. I will be back at some point later on in the week, hopefully. I think we got an MLB episode coming up. So thank you guys for listening. Hope you're all staying safe and have a good night.